Well, welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the other players at the table. I'm Dungeon Master Chris, and this week we are joined by... Dungeon Master Neil, a.k.a. Joe Maniac. And if you have been around the forums or have listened to any of our previous episodes and heard the DMnastics, you probably recognize his sweet and sultry voice. Dulcet tones. Yeah, dulcet tones, yes. You will have recognized his voice, and we are glad to have him on here. Uh, Mitch cannot join us this week, so... It'll just be us two doing the episode. Go with that. Hopefully, hopefully that will work out, and or hopefully, or just establish how much we need Mitch back, or establish how much we need Mitch back. So today we are going to be talking about dilemmas, and before we get to those, we have a few iTunes shoutouts for those faithful few who have given us a five star review on iTunes. Our first one comes from Not Patrick. Dungeon Master's Block is awesome and very funny. They give out great setting and plot ideas for DMs of all levels of experience. I'm definitely putting some of their ideas in my next session. I cannot wait for Mondays now. So not Patrick, thank you for your five-star review. We can't wait for Mondays either because we're really happy that we get to bring you new episodes every single week. The next review is from Kearney Bob, and he wrote, Can't believe I forgot to send review. Reviewed this back in <laughs> May, but never hit send. Frustrated face. I love listening to this <laughs> podcast. It has been the best resource next to the books. Listen to each episode multiple times, depending on what part of my campaign I'm working on. Keep up the amazing podcast. Thank you, Kearney Bob. And it's it's always, I don't know if it's always surprising to me, but it's always awesome to hear that the content is good enough that people don't listen to it just once. They'll listen to it yeah. multiple, multiple times. And I've heard I've heard that from several people that they'll, yeah. they'll just play the ones. That, like you said, you could... An episode might not be pertinent, but then you just go back and do it again. That's kind of what we're hoping to do is just create a backlog of things. When you need it, you go and find it. And I think we have like, I, I think over like 100 hours worth of stuff uh, at this point, uh, worth of material that you can go back to and we'll be adding to that today. So thank you, uh, Kearney Bob, for that review. The next one comes from MDH iTunes. He writes, good exclamation point. Good stuff about being a DM, period. Short, sweet, to the point. Thank you, MDH iTunes. And for the last one, it's from Mark V. I don't know. There's like six C's, and I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. But he said, I love this cast. The podcast is brilliant, full of fantastic ideas and hilarious commentary. My only request is to somehow get the volume cranked up a notch if at all possible, as it's a bit hard to hear in my car. Other than that, I wouldn't change a thing. It's on. We, Mark, it's going to blow. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to blow your speakers up. <laughs> we'll, we'll turn the volume up at that exact point <gasps> in the editing process. Oh, my gosh. We're, that review is literally going to yell at you. <laughs> yep. The whole rest of the episode before that will be super quiet. From here on out, it's going to blow your eardrums out. So thank you, Mark for that review. All right. And with that, let's head into the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meat? Carve it up! Just a mouthful! No! Looks like meat back on the menu, boys! But today, we are talking about dilemmas, Neil. We are. 
We, we should, are. We should probably talk about what a dilemma is, though. We should talk about what a dilemma is. And so a dilemma is a situation where somebody has two or more possible choices in as straightforward as we can go. That's what it is. You present your players with a situation that has two or more ways. It's not as simple as like, do I eat an apple or a banana for breakfast? That's not that. I mean, that's not a story altering type of dilemma. Usually these type of dilemmas have extremely hard choices. The outcome is not exactly favorable, I think, is what we would probably lean towards as DM. Uh, it's not really favorable one choice over another. And the outcomes, can they can really range from life-altering to having a slightly negative effect. But they always, I think, for being a dilemma, should have that sort of tough choice behind it. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing about the dilemma is that it shouldn't be a choice. You're using the term dilemma because right. neither of the options are great. It's just which one do you think will be hopefully the one you could potentially just the one you live with, the one that you right. are more comfortable being the thing that you chose to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think of that uh, that story you may have heard. It's the one of the train operator and his son. Have you heard this story before? Mm-mm. It's the story where the, this guy takes his son to work and he's a, he's a train operator and he's operating a bridge going up and down. And what ends up happening is he brings the bridge up so a boat could pass by underneath. So the boat, the boat goes underneath he has to get the drawbridge back down. But he walked away for a second. He doesn't know where his son went. His son disappeared somewhere. Well, his son went outside and was playing with a ball. And it fell down in where all the gears are for the bridge that goes up and down. And this train's coming. It's full of like hundreds of people, passenger train coming. And so he sees his son and he hears his son yelling for help. And he's in the gear room, right? Oh. And so he's up in this tower and he has to decide, what do I do? Do I, do I save my son? Or do I put the drawbridge down so the train of hundreds of people can go across? And it's like that stuff, that is a life-altering dilemma. You either have your son, like his death on your hands, which I can only imagine, I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine how devastating that would be and having to live with that. Or you have nearly 300 people or 200 people or whatever it is on deaths on your hands. When we talk about dilemmas, that's the type of dilemma that we're talking about. It doesn't have to be quite that severe. These things you usually center around a person or a group of people that need to make that decision. And so usually that dilemma isn't something that just one – it can be something that just one person uh, deals with. Or in a D&D setting, it could be something that you present your whole group with. I think group dilemmas have an interesting dynamic too because then it – like what happens if you have to leave a party member behind in a really hard situation? Like – it's either you leave him behind and the rest of you escape uh, or you try and fight and you're all going to die. Like those type of dilemmas that when we talk about dilemmas, that's what we're talking about. And this is really interesting. I was looking this up. The person that is usually the person that's in like the forefront of the dilemma is called being in the horns of the dilemma because you can either take the right horn of the bull or you can take the left horn of the bull. Both are going to hurt. Both are going to puncture and leave some damage wounds behind. So that was really interesting. So Put your players in that horns of the dilemma situation yes. because that's that's what we love to do as DMs and that's what creates lasting memories with your players. And so when we talk about a dilemma, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Multiple decisions can be made. Both have not the most likely and preferred outcomes to happen. The Yeah. So in my head, I just came up with a bunch of examples, and oh yeah, the and that's the thing is there's so many example, good examples of dilemmas from great stories, and I think that uh, this kind of goes into 
the next thing we want to talk about, which is what makes a dilemma useful. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it's to escalate the story to another right. to another point where you know, and you're evoking these emotions from people, and you're going away from this really hard line of it's bright white good and deep black bad. Right. the The decision is obvious, but right. with these emotional dilemmas, the one that the first one that came to my mind was the last episode of Mash. And Hawkeye is spoiler alert from <laughs> from the nineteen seventies. Oh my gosh! Yeah, late se- late seventies, guys. Here we go. I'm sorry if this this ruins the last episode of Match for you. The like most watched TV episode on the planet. Um, but essentially, he's st- he is still emotionally scarred from a dilemma that he didn't have to choose. Choose just a dilemma that he was near. Essentially, right. bus full of people. Lady in the back has a chicken. Chicken keeps making noise, keeps making noise. And it's essentially comes down to you need to shut the chicken up or we're all going to die. And she does. Gotcha. The problem is it wasn't a chicken. Oh. It was her child. Very similar to the example you had presented. Right. Does she, is she willing to do that to save these other people or, or not? And so, you know, even the dilemma he was near is yeah. emotionally is emotionally scarred him as a character. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that in and of itself as somebody watching from the inside I haven't seen that last episode but you just told me what it is so thanks for ruining it. Yeah. Uh but that like You've you're had, telling the like, story 40 and... years, okay? <laughs> well, no, no, no. I only had 25. Oh, well, uh, see. <laughs> True. Not 40. True. Not 40. But so that in and of itself when you said that story that I was just like, I'm so invested in this. Like, it's evoking an emotional response in me when you tell that story, mm-hmm. and when you what that's what we're looking for. Because when you, whenever as a DM, you can evoke an emotional response that causes your players to think in character, it's really evoking that emotional response within that character. And when in turn, what that helps that do, it helps your character or your players create meaningful backstories for your characters it helps them bond deeper with their characters because even as a group like that person that had to make that decision is going to bond with their individual character but players that witness that happen are then going to bond with that character as well in game and so dilemmas have this way of being useful that they essentially can help tie groups together and that's that's what i've experienced in my in this past campaign that we just did like we went through the first like four or five sessions where nothing really happened and then somebody's character died for the first time because of a decision that they made. And it was this moment where all of a sudden it was like people didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to react because it was like their friend from, you know, their whole life that uh, okay, just yeah. they just witnessed die at the hands of a dragon. And so that's like when we talk about emotional responses being evoked from your players, those types of decisions will help your players become more invested uh, in their characters. And when, and honestly, you probably experienced this too, Neil. When players are emotionally invested in their characters as a DM, it just makes your campaigns flow that much, that much smoother, and it makes them that much more memorable, both for you, because you know that your players have buy-in, and for your players, because you know they know that you are invested in their characters as well. Well, and another reason that it's useful is because it can help you as a DM figure out where that character is. 
in terms of like what are what are their emotional responses to these things? Yeah. If it's you know, and if it's that very good versus very evil kind of scenario, it doesn't necessarily matter what alignment they are, what their background is. They're just going to be a gr- bunch of uh, what is it? Murder hobos. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and they're going to just kill all the orcs. That's the default, right? Like, everybody's a murder hobo at heart. Chaotic, evil, lawful good. It doesn't matter. It's a group of orcs, yeah. and I'm going to kill them and either yep. save the village or take their gold. But when it comes right. down to that dilemma, you're going to have your players establish how they feel about something. Mm-hmm. And you can use mm-hmm. that. I mean, hopefully don't use it too much. because <laughs> right. <laughs> too many dilemmas is going to make for a, for a sad campaign. But... <laughs> You're going to have to put a counselor inside of your D&D campaign to help counsel your players. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, That would be interesting. Oh, okay, Caleb, you need to go lie down on the couch now. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I think that that, too, in and of itself, if as a DM you present a dilemma, and we'll talk about when uh, to introduce these in a little bit, but... You can simply introduce these as a as a DM. I say simply like quote unquote simply because they're not ever simple to introduce. But you can enter in these dilemmas to help decide where the campaign goes next. Because as DMs, like I, you know, me personally, I'm thinking about my next campaign that I'm doing, or well, I'm thinking about the current campaign that I'm doing. And there's things that like players could either go right or they could go left. I could make them go right by simply not giving them a left. But if I create some sort of dilemma for them to encounter, they're going to be invested in one of these ways, either right or left. And if I just force them to go right, they're just going to go right, and there's not going to be any sort of hard decision. But when you create some sort of dilemma that makes them go right or left, they're going to be, in, they're going to be emotionally invested in this story. And it helps you as a DM figure out which way they would really be more invested in. So I think that that can be one helpful thing. If you need a way that you need to go next as a DM, and you're not quite sure which way your players will be wanting to go just leave it up to them to decide so now we're going to kind of talk about like when and how you introduce a dilemma and one of the things that we had discussed before is how you could use it to introduce a villain into your campaign to really establish that to establish that villain and probably establish a very strong dislike for that villain the one that came to my mind is when i say the green goblin and spider-man what do you think of I think of Peter Parker's best friend's dad going through, at least from the movies, going through that horrible science experiment and then being introduced as that villain. And you have the dilemma of do you save Gwen Stacy or a boat? Oh, yeah, yeah. Or a, what was it, a train car full of people? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like the, the twofold dilemma of and now I have to stop this guy who's my best friend's dad. And now I have to either choose to save the person that I love or a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and ele- which essentially elevated the Green Goblin into one of the most iconic Spider-Man villains that there have ever been. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every time I watch the Spider-Man movies with the Green Goblin in it, as poorly as I think they may have done in those movies, he is still one of those characters that you can just knock it out of your head. Because one, he's memorable, and two, he just he just does these things all the time, like where he creates these dilemmas for Spider-Man to overcome, and it's it's great. Like that is that is textbook villain. A villain isn't a villain unless they're creating dilemmas for people to overcome. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that is a great way to introduce villains is through dilemmas. 
And you can also, I think, on the flip side of that, you can introduce the good guy or the NPC that's going to be walking alongside of you as well. When you want to introduce them for the first time, I mean, the classic one, create the damsel in distress who has no other way to get out. Maybe there's some sort of dilemma where she's being held hostage. You have to put yourself at risk as a character. You may die going in to save her. You may not die going in to save her. But that choice of going in and saving her has some real consequences. And then it can create a whole, I mean, if it's like a band of thugs or something, then you got the whole city. That's the band of thugs trying to be out for you. And you just created this network of story opportunities for your players to go through within that city. So when you introduce an NPC as well, a great time and a great way to introduce an NPC would be through a dilemma. A couple other great times to do it would be, which is kind of funny that we, I mean, we'd come up with these ideas before and then we talked about our story times, but Mm -hmm. our story times are examples of when to use a dilemma. For Mm -hmm. me, it was right at the beginning. Now you're establishing right away how characters feel when they're put into these dilemmas, right out the gate. And you're also creating that bond. Mm -hmm. If if all these characters are going through this post-apocalyptic scenario and these terrible things are happening the bond that they have together is getting strengthened so fast so early mm-hmm. well, i think of lost too the show lost like i'm re-watching it with my wife right now they're faced with a really big dilemma right at the beginning of the show they basically had to bond together to survive but the very beginning the plane explodes they land on the island they got to figure it out and it instantly bonds them all because they were just through a traumatic experience together Um, On the flip side of that, you have at the end of the campaign where I think too many times as DMs, we try to wrap up campaigns with like the pretty little bow. Everything succeeds at the end. Like everybody's the hero, whether you're good or bad and the, the right things happen at the end. Something that I like to do and something that I did at the end of this campaign was I created and we talked about it in story time. I created a dilemma at the end of the campaign that characters had to work their way through. And to end a campaign where it still has a happy ending, but yet it's not the perfect, pretty present, you know, the N64 wrapped up under your Christmas tree and all the great games that come with it. It's not exactly that, but it's you open it up and there's this like, there's a satisfaction in it, but there's still that like, what if, like, what if I would have done it differently? What if something else would have happened? And then that's the way that you keep characters and players. Like I have a feeling the ending to this campaign because of what I put everybody through with their characters and their family possibly dying at the end, I feel like that's going to be something that would have been like, well, what if we would have done this differently? What if we would have handled this dilemma a little bit differently? So I think ending a campaign with a dilemma too can be a really good way to solidify a campaign in people's minds. And so then who do we gear these dilemma towards? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind, like what I did kind of with Caleb's character is you gear it towards one individual person. You gear it towards that one person that, you know, you might, and as a DM, you can kind of tell sometimes when somebody's not really invested in their character quite as much as I think both they would like and you would like. And I think this is a great time for you to introduce some sort of dilemma that this character has to go through. And so when we talk about who do you gear dilemmas for, that might be one particular instance of somebody that you could gear a dilemma towards is that person that you think just needs to be pushed to that next level as a character. Yeah. And the other thing is if you potentially have a character that's kind of slipping away from the limelight, that's another great way to help bring Mm -hmm. them back and get them, get them more invested into the campaign is that that dilemma is focused solely on them. You know, like you said, you just found out your whole family's in trouble and now are you able to convince the group to go with you and head back and save your family? I think it's a great way to bring a player into the limelight if they've kind of tried to step back right and i think it too even if there's this character that's and we all go through this in life where you have like i know who i am i know what i'm doing i'm going this way in life 
and all of a sudden you introduce a dilemma and their whole world is just shocked too. Like mm-hmm. you have the person that's so set in the ways of how their character is going to be. You have, you know, they're on their way to be the king of this country or whatever. And all of a sudden something happens where now they're not going to be the king of the country. Uh, and they, maybe it's something that they accidentally started that now they're, they go through this internal identity crisis where it's like, oh crap, who am I as a person now? Like my identity was so wrapped up in this thing that now that it's gone, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. And then they have to go through this whole process of reexamining themselves, figuring this back out, and it can bring their character to that next level. I think that's a great time to do it is when you have somebody that's so set in who their character is. And then there's what the Joker always says. Introduce a little anarchy. Upset the established order and everything becomes chaos. And so, yeah, there's definitely strengths for introducing dilemmas to individual characters. But I think as groups, too, I think all of the things that we said for why we introduce them to individual characters can be said for group dilemmas. One, if your group is so set in who they are, introduce a little bit of anarchy. And the whole place goes crazy. Everybody is not sure of what happens. If they're a part of a guild, you kill the guild leader. What happens then? They're totally upset. They don't know what's going on. They have to try and reestablish who they are as characters. If you notice that your characters aren't necessarily bonding with each other, what happened with your group right at the very beginning, you didn't even have a chance to figure out if you were okay with each other. It was just all of a sudden, all right, nuke goes off, and now hedges and piles of bodies are pulling people into some nether region yeah well we were i mean we didn't even know each other's names before we're having to sit here and fight uh, with each other side by side the other thing i was thinking with the strength of the group dilemma is you know kind of tailoring it back into everything that we've already said is this is going to establish all your characters at the same time this is going to figure out who's aligned and maybe who's not aligned so the thing that i'm kind of thinking is that a word of caution is that you want to be ready (laughs) ready to have the dilemma potentially start a difficult discussion with Mm -hmm. between potentially between players and between characters because it could be that two characters fall very much on opposite sides oh yeah which if done correctly is great which if not handled correctly of course, it's not great. It could go. Yeah. If you can get it resolved in the end, if there's that lingering tension between two players, and I've witnessed this before in campaigns I've played and because of dilemmas, if there's no resolution, it doesn't have to necessarily be like, hey, we're best friends. We're going to skip through you know, fields of flowers on the way to the land of Oz. It doesn't have to be like that. But if you create this and you sense that there's some sort of tension that's lingering outside of in-character mode, that's when it's like, okay, Maybe I need to do something else to bring these characters back together because this is not going to go well for anybody that's involved at this point in time because players will feel the tension. It'll seep through into their characters that they're playing. And that's when you just get a lot of unhealthy behavior from players that you really you intended it to be something that was like, hey, this is going to be really formative for our group and because people couldn't just they just couldn't get past something. It's now created this ripple effect that it's uncontainable at this point in time so be very careful when you go about doing a group dilemma because if done improperly and not handled correctly it can create this weird dynamic between your players that being said don't be afraid to do dilemmas with your groups either because it does definitely have that possibility to bring your characters closer together and create for a really awesome story and so As the DM's block, we always like to give you guys ideas of things that you can take and put into your games as well. And so here with Dilemmas, we're not going to give you fully fleshed out ideas, but maybe these are some things that you can take 
and put into your game and elaborate on a little bit to help create these sorts of dilemmas that your players we know are craving for because it's going to help them create their characters more and you as a dm are craving for them to have things to do they're going to put them in awkward situations and help them grow as characters so some of these ideas are there's obviously the family dilemma something happens within your family something i would assume bad happens that there's not a clear cut decision that is supposed to be made it's not like hey are we having turkey or ham for thanksgiving dinner no it's like somebody went and got themselves captured what's the best way to go about this is it worth worth is such a weird word to use there but is it something that we can physically do as a family to go and retrieve this person? Or is it something that if we go off, we might end up dying, trying to find and recapture our, our brother or our father or our mother? And the family dilemma, I think you should use probably few and far between because if you play off that family thing, one, that family is just really stupid and they should <laughs> they should have like hired protection or something if something keeps happening to them. Or you just wear out the emotion that comes with something bad happening to brother or sister or mom or dad or whatever. So I think the family dilemma can be a great one to use within your campaign. Yeah, when you say it gets old hat, it's, it makes me think of the video games that have daily quests. You're just like, oh, yeah. Steve, how? How is it possible you got captured again today? Yeah, right, Oh, right. this guy. <laughs> it's like the fourth day in a row by the same people. Ugh. What the heck? Why is he still getting captured? Steve, stay away from that place. <laughs> Yeah. The other thing we talked about this with the train story is sacrifice one to save another or sacrifice a group of people to save another group of people. Like I think of if you are in the military or in a battle in some way, shape or form, or if you are overseeing a battle, this is probably going to happen to you a lot. And I don't know how it is being in the military. I've never been in the military, but I would imagine that some people that have listened have probably had to make those decisions before, or you know, somebody who's had like, I know people that have had to make this decision before. Save one or save a group of people or save a group of people to save a group of a different group of people. I mean, it's one of those things that if you have connections with one person that needs saving or a group of people that need saving, that can create some real dilemmas for people to choose from. It's like that gray area. There's no clear cut decision. You're put between the horns of the bull. Like you got to choose. It's going to be painful, but you need to make that decision because it's going to drive the story where it's going to go next. And it helps develop character story as well. There's the classic Robin Hood. You steal from the rich. You might not be the person that especially loves the idea of stealing, but you steal from the rich to give to the poor. You're still doing something bad that could throw you in jail. That's probably one side of the dilemma. You could possibly get caught and be put in prison. And then you're still stealing and giving to the poor. Like what happens if the person that's poor is really just poor because of choice or putting on a hat that says they're poor and they just run away with the goods that you stole for them. You're stuck in this position where you might not ever trust somebody again. Uh, and then you're on the run from the law, you know? And so that's something that you could do. That's an idea for a dilemma you could introduce as well. Essentially the dilemmas, and I, you know, we hadn't really talked about this before, but essentially the dilemma is going to establish your morals and ethics as a character mm -hmm. or redefine them. Because like mm -hmm. you had just mentioned, I've done this thing that I didn't really want to do. I've stolen from the rich to give from the poor. But the other side, of course, is the poor don't have anything because I didn't go steal. You've done right. that. And then you found out that the person's been lying the entire time. So now you established what you thought your morals were, but because someone did something super against what you thought was going to happen, now you've redefined those that morality right. that your character has. Right. Yeah, and so I think going along those same lines, just in general, you have to do something illegal for the greater good. You may not be the person that's particularly fond of having to go 
sneak into another person's guild to sabotage them. But that's something that you have to do because you know something that they're planning could be, and it might be even they're facing a dilemma and you're trying to counteract their dilemma that they're facing by intervening in it. They may be put in a dilemma position where you find out about it and it's like they have to do something that's kind of in that gray area and you're trying to prevent something from happening. Well, now it puts you at awkward terms with that guild if they find out that you did it. And if you don't do it, you just say whatever, something bad could end up happening that shapes the way that your campaign will go for the future. Uh, So I think doing something illegal for the greater good is something that could be really interesting for your players to have to to have to do as well. So a lot of pop culture references come up when we think about dilemmas, because I mean, Mm -hmm. it's of all the good reasons that you want to use a dilemma in your game. That's what's making better, you know, better entertainment is players going or not players, actors (laughs) going through dilemmas where, you know, and again, you're establishing who that actor is as a character in this movie. So the one that I thought of with doing something illegal for the greater good is the Gone in 60 Seconds movie. Yeah, uh, well, without disappointment. You can't appreciate victory. Hell no, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. Which also ties back to the family dilemma where now his brother is essentially going to die Mm -hmm. if he doesn't step away from doing good and go steal 50 cars again. Yeah, he's literally going from teaching kids how to race with go-karts to watching his brother almost be crushed in a car Mm -hmm. to then being put with this dilemma. All right, you got to steal that Ford Mustang. You know, you got to say, well, it's more than that. It's it's like 50, 50 cars or something like yeah, that. I forget 50, what yeah, the number it's 50. is. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, you're put in that that position where it's like you got to do something illegal for the greater good, which is protecting somebody's life. So, yeah, the I love that movie. That's like the movie if I ever go and visit my parents, if my dad sees that movie in the closet, he'll be watching it. Like that and National Treasure movies. Like if he ever sees them on TV, he's just like, all right, taking the next hour and a half. I'm just going to go get it from the closet and watch it. Because now he likes watching good Nick Cage, not terrible. Yeah, Nick he likes Cage. he likes watching good Nicolas Cage movies. Not uh, what was it? Hell Rider was that the Ghost Rider? Ghost Rider, that's what it was. Yeah, uh, Ghost Rider. The yeah. There's a lot of them. There we <laughs> we don't have enough time to establish. Maybe all maybe those. we'll do a whole episode on Nick Cage terrible movies that you could incorporate into your DMing. Yes. So another one is introducing an NPC that's actually a criminal, but that criminal befriends the party because they help them. Right. But now what do they do? Do they defend them because they think they're good because they helped them? But the guy has already done these terrible things, so do they just turn him in? Mm-hmm. I mean, so that dilemma of here's this person that has gotten us potentially out of a dilemma and mm-hmm. put us into another one. Yeah. Because in my head, I can't even think of the answer that I would want to give. Yeah. Well, I think just in my mind, I'm like, well, what if what if you didn't even know they were a criminal? Like they just befriended you in a different town and then you go somewhere and they start to act a little weird. And then you see a wanted poster that's like, hey, what do we do now as a group? Like, do we turn this guy in? Do we like he's been nothing but good to us? He's actually helped us and done a lot of good. Do we just allow him to come? And once again, I think of Lost because that's what I'm watching right now. The part where Kate's in Australia and she's trying to start her life over. And she's like working on this farm for like three months. And then all of a sudden the farmer goes to the post office and finds the wanted ad. He's got a lot of debt. And then all of a sudden all bets are off. He's like, you know what? It doesn't matter who you were in the past. He sees that, that wanted poster, sees the $23,000. And it's like, I know she's a criminal now, but she's done a lot of good for me. What do I do? Do you end up turning him in or do you end up keeping him as a friend? I think that has so many possibilities uh, for a great dilemma. And I like that the establishing the villain as having done it. 
Like it's not a mm-hmm. dilemma that they did or didn't do these things. They need their name cleared. No, those things happen. They right. stole and whatever motivations they had behind them are what they are. But those things that are considered criminal or illegal or evil, they mm-hmm. actually did. Yeah. Or even if you're the criminal because you did something illegal for the greater good and somebody finds out that you are wanted. What do you do now in the situation? Do you kill the person? Do you just run away? Like, what do you do now? Like, that could create some interesting dilemmas as well. So the other idea that we had kind of come up with was having the PCs have to leave another PC behind in order Mm -hmm. to live another day. Oh, man. That would be that would be so... I mean, hopefully you would get that great emotional response at the table because almost as a DM, I wouldn't want it to be something I planned. Right, yeah. That's that's the hard part with the scenario, right? <laughs> Maybe I had it planned that it was a really difficult fight. Maybe mm-hmm. I had it planned that it was so difficult that, yes, they should run away, but that they established that the way they're going to accomplish it is that one PC is going to stay behind to stem the tide as the rest are able to leave. Yeah, and is it a group decision who stays behind? Is it that one person that tells everybody to run away to survive? Or is it just all of a sudden everybody's just fleeing and like, forget this, it's every man for himself, you know? Uh, Yeah. You only have to be faster than the slowest person. (laughs) Right. The archer is like shooting at the other people in the group from afar. He's like, wink, wing them. Yeah, right. Right. And it's player characters too. Like you're, you're literally looking at the other person across the table when their character is getting left behind. So it's not just a simple like you're watching a movie and all of a sudden somebody says, hey, you know, there's enough emotion when somebody has to stay behind and die. Like every time I watch The Walking Dead and somebody stays behind to save the group, I'm just like, oh, that sucks. But when you're actually sitting across from the player who you know has invested a lot of time in this player character and all of a sudden they just say, go, like get out of here. Like that rattles everybody that's sitting at the table. Like you can't not help but be moved in that moment. And if you have to decide as a group, that's crazy in and of itself. Yeah, I think the idea that would be good to leave everyone with is go to the piece of entertainment that you think is the thing you love. Your favorite movie, your favorite TV show, your favorite comic, your favorite book, whatever it is. And I will almost guarantee you, and I'll probably be wrong because I said that on the internet, but (laughs) I will almost guarantee that you will find a dilemma in there that makes that story better. You're like yeah. the, the Walking Dead example. How many times have you had to see it, going back into the family one, the person can't put down the walker that used to be their family member. Right. Knowing full well that that could mean someone else down the line is going to become a walker because of the decision that they made. Mm-hmm. A.K.A. the governor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we have for Dilemmas on you. There's so much more that we could say about Dilemmas. I mean, we could literally just rattle off different TV shows and things and come up with more ideas. I mean, whatever it is, just if you need some sort of dilemma, just watch TV. Just read a book. Just, I mean, do any sort of research online. Read any good short story, and you'll find some sort of dilemma in there that you can use as a DM. And those things will say so much more than we could ever say in a podcast. But so that's what we have for you for the meet today. I hope this creates in you some sort of dilemma about what dilemmas to use with your characters coming up. Dilemmaception. Dilemmaception, where there's so many levels of dilemmas that are going on right now. Life is a dilemma. Uh, with that, let's head to the mailbag of holding. They've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. Yeah, 
right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of The Mailbag, the place where we talk about stories, questions, and ideas from you, the listeners. And so this story, or this this idea, uh, is written in from Luis, Luis Bo, or Luis Bo 3. I'm sorry if I butchered your name, Luis, or Luis, or whatever it is. I, I apologize. But this is a great uh, idea that was written into us. And it says, not sure if anyone has already pitched this idea since I'm not up to date on the podcast. I'm a fan of the Terminator concept, so how about if a PC or if, if the PCs steal or retrieve a MacGuffin for an NPC, or they just stumble upon it in a dungeon? After getting the MacGuffin, an iron golem wakes and starts chasing them. The scary thing about golems is they never rest, they never need to eat, and they never need to breathe. No barrier or sea will be a hindrance to it. And so I think that is an awesome, awesome idea uh, to add into a campaign. You have this this thing that wakes up and starts chasing you. And that could create interesting dilemmas. Do you lead it through a city to hopefully slow it down? People see it coming and you cause them to try and deal with it before you have to try and deal with it. There's all sorts of interesting implications. Like you get on a boat and try to sail somewhere and this thing ain't going to stop, even if you're on the boat. Like you drop anchor somewhere out in the water and all of a sudden it starts climbing up the anchor into the ship like what in the heck do you do and so i don't know if you have any thoughts on that idea neil but i love i love this idea and i may or may not try to include it in an upcoming campaign because it's that good i really like it especially if you're going to do it in the way that they don't necessarily know that that's Mm. what's happened in my head i wouldn't want it to be i picked up said MacGuffin or item, and now it's immediately chasing me, I almost would want it to come from somewhere else. And you would also need it. You would also need it to not be easily destructed. Mm -hmm. Maybe they kill it and it starts forming itself back together and then gets up and goes after them. It's like part troll golem or something. (gasps) It's a trollum. (laughs) A trollum. (laughs) Then, but that's awesome. But essentially making it a, something that the PCs need to do something extraordinary to overcome yeah. to imprison it, to actually destroy it, to do something really over the top rather than just do enough damage. And now it's dead. Right. Yeah. It's like, what if, what if for some reason the golem was misplaced and it's like hundreds of miles away from wherever that item is, but that item is just like a switch for it. And all of a sudden it's like the eyeballs turn red or something like that or whatever, whatever type of golem, it just like all of a sudden comes to life. And it's like it's like in a museum somewhere, and it just like breaks free as it breaks free as like people are like watching, looking at it, or it's in a temple somewhere, like on display, and all of a sudden it just destroys the whole inside of that temple. And like you come to that city like three months later, and it's like, uh, sorry, the temple to Pelor is currently under construction. Well, why is it currently under construction? Well, we had this golem in here on display, and then it just for some reason got up and destroyed everything in its attempt to get out of here. And it's like, your players are done just all of a sudden like, oh, yeah. I think we know where that's from. But you don't, I mean, obviously you wouldn't say anything about where it came from. And the reason that you you were the reason why it destroyed everything around them. Makes me think of uh, the Iron Giant when he starts putting himself back together. And mm-hmm. after he get, was blown up, even that idea that the PCs try and separate the pieces after they create them, but mm-hmm. somehow, by hook or by crook, the pieces will get themselves back together in the yeah. hunt. The hunt is it's on again. L- it's literally a, something that can never, like, even if you were to destroy it and, like, lock it in boxes somewhere, 
it could still get out. Like if one box is unlocked, it's like all of a sudden mm -hmm. all bets are off. Like everything can now reassemble itself because it has it has like this overarching mind that just what however many pieces it's it's split into, it just knows where to come back to. That is absolutely frightening. Yes. <laughs> You might get to the point as players where you're just like, all right, I don't want this item anymore. And you like pawn it off. You pawn it off on some poor shopkeeper. And then it's like all of a sudden he's like, oh, what do I do with this? Like he doesn't know that it's charmed or something like that. Yes. Oh, you could be such a jerk with that item. Like it could it. be something. Oh, it could be like the it could be like a D&D &D Trojan horse where you present it as an offering of like peace to a kingdom or to a king. And all of a sudden, this golem comes in. It's like a ring or something like that. The king is wearing the ring. Mm -hmm. And he, like, goes in and kills the king in order to get that ring back. That's awesome. Because it's a MacGuffin. You could totally use it as a Trojan horse uh, in, in your D&D &D world. So thank you for that email, Louis Bo. Uh, that's an awesome, awesome idea. The Terminator idea and golem who can never sleep, doesn't need to eat, can go through any terrain is absolutely awesome. So thank you for that. So that's what we have for you for this episode of the Dungeon Master's Block. If you would like to get in touch with us and share with us either your, your golem ideas or any dilemmas that you've made your players face, feel free to hit us up on our email. It's dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. You can send all of your things that are longer than 140 characters on a Twitter, message, or a Twitter post. You can send those to us at, in an email, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can, if you wouldn't mind. Head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. This helps us grow our fan base, helps us grow the amount of people that we can reach because they see that we're doing a good job here on the Dungeon Master's Block. So go leave a five-star review, uh, and you will get a shout-out personally from us on the air. We are also on Stitcher. You can also find us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's DMs block. And you can find us on Facebook too. Just search Dungeon Masters block. You can find all sorts of memes, any information about upcoming shows, and any sort of D&D &D news that uh, we find interesting that we want to share with all of you. And so before we go, we have one last thing that we need to do. As always, when there's a Patreon member that subscribes for the first time, we give them a shout out. And so this week, our Patreon member is... Martin, Martin Findlay. Thank you, Martin Findlay, so much. Uh, Martin Findlay is a feared gold dragon, just Watch like out. Dale was in my campaign. Thank you very much, Martin. Your contribution to the podcast helps us grow, helps us become better and better at we, what we do because of upgrades and things like that. So we greatly appreciate your support here at the Dungeon Master's Block. Thanks for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we focus on the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. The only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the players at the table. Have a great night, everyone. Enjoy dungeon mastering. Keep on dungeon mastering. Ha ha, take that, bitch. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Stole it. We're just, we're just doing a podcast. Just doing a podcast. Goodbye.